Today's date is November 5th, 2021, and this is Canadian Common Sense. My name is Lewis. I am out here in British Columbia, and I have a special interview today. This interview ended up being a lot more eye-opening than I expected. Uh, my guest is Glenn Alderink, and he is a nurse out of Kamloops, BC, and uh, because of a move that our provincial government here took by suspending 4,000 healthcare workers for failing to disclose their vaccination status or for failing to receive a vaccination, uh, he and some of his colleagues were forced to try something different. And this discussion, I think, is a very important one that, that Glenn and I had. And uh, I really hope you share this with your friends and family because it's, uh, it's, it's pretty eye-opening and it's uh, very interesting. So enjoy. Glenn, um, you are a nurse, is that right? I can still call myself a nurse, yes. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and, I mean, the reason you're saying that, obviously, is because you are one of the nurses that has been suspended? Yes. And that is because you're unvaccinated? Yes. Okay. More, more correctly and accurately, I have not disclosed my vaccine status. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. Um, so... Before we get into everything here, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself your, um, and, uh, and why you wanted to be a nurse in the first place, maybe? Uh, so I started off uh, my whole career in, uh, I did 20 years as a volunteer, or sorry, as a first aid attendant, so that's first aid attendant, 15 years as a volunteer firefighter. Um, I spent a lot of time getting very broken and injured people to the hospital. And then uh, I lost a job in the mills in the forestry industry. So then I decided to like, look around and decided to go into nursing. Great. And uh, so obviously, I mean, you've, you've always had a, a uh, desire to help people. I mean, it sounds, yes. that, that, that sounds sounds like uh the case to me i mean you've you've obviously always done things that that uh where you're uh you know worried about other people's safety and, and making sure that people are are getting the help they need and yes. and um i mean you even did it as a volunteer so i mean that's that's awesome thank you very much for your service oh you're very welcome yeah um now you you are one of, I believe there's 4,000 healthcare workers in BC who have been suspended uh, until you have received or disclosed your vaccination status. And so in many of them, I would get, I would, I'd be venturing to say that probably the majority of them are, are needing to get vaccinated in the first place. Um, and, uh, and I believe, yeah, it is about 4,000 people in BC, right? Yeah, around there, yes. Yeah, okay. As, as much as we can trust the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know Quebec is in the vicinity of about 15,000, and um, and the government there keeps pushing that deadline off, obviously because they don't want to end up in the same situation that BC is finding itself in right now. I would imagine that is their consideration, same with Ontario. Yeah. And but BC decided to go ahead with it anyway, resulting in surgeries being canceled, um, resulting in testing being uh, like just regular testing for for other types of medical conditions, not COVID testing. But those those tests have been you know canceled and and uh, or postponed, and um, it's put the BC healthcare system into a bit of a precarious situation, I, I would 
think. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you would think right. Yeah. Okay. So now you and a group of other nurses uh, who have either failed to disclose your vaccination status or uh, or gotten vaccinated at all decided to do do something about your job situation. Why don't you just tell us about it? Well, um, pardon me. It, it started when I started nursing and I was talking to my patients. And I've known that nursing has been short-staffed. That strike they had at the early 2000s was about staffing levels. Yeah. And then even with here, like the last contract we had, they were talking about, oh, we'll give a $5 penalty uh, if you're working short. And I'm thinking, well, that that's not really going to solve the issue of being short. Yeah. And then we, we've even before COVID, hospitals were overrun. We were running 120% capacity um, on a good day. That was actually deemed a good day for us. And it was having just 120%. And this was pre-COVID. And is that at Royal Inland in Kamloops? Yes, it is. Okay. And so there you go that you're stuck with that kind of uh, thing. And then it's like, okay, so we do it. And during the COVID there in the first four months when they canceled all the surgeries, um, I had talked to an orthopedic surgeon who was on the warning app and he working on the computers. And I looked at him and I said, so like, how far has this set you back so far? And he goes, it set him, his words was, he's back another year. Oh. or over a year so i like i'm going and i said how far behind were you before and he goes it was about a year behind so now we're looking at about two year wait and i was just like blown away from that wow and uh and then like lo and behold now they're blaming covid and all that and i'm not saying whether they're right or wrong i'm not in the hospital i haven't been in there for a while so i really don't know specifically what is going on in there other than i know that some of the days that uh the Kamloops Hospital has been in trouble. They've had like 135% capacity with only 65% staffing. And that was just before the mandate came in. And so, obviously those levels are like that ratio is even worse now. I would imagine. Well, it probably didn't get any better. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I, I have a couple family members who, who had COVID and, um, my sister being one, uh, she had it quite badly, but she was at home the entire time. She never had to go to ICU, but she was, she had, you know, the 40 degree fever for 10 days. And, uh, yeah, it, it seems to hang on there. Yeah. And she, you know, on day eight, right before it started turning around, she, she actually lost her vision and hearing and, and, uh, the, the use of her hands and feet when her core temperature plummeted to like to 34 degrees or 35 degrees I believe it was uh from 40 like it just like a snap of fingers just dropped yeah and uh and oh wow yeah and the paramedics said that that was unfortunately a good sign <laughs> because it meant <laughs> it meant that things were turning for her so yeah that, um, that was a watershed moment for recovery yeah and uh and then I've got um a cousin of mine who ended up in the ICU for three weeks. Um, so I'm not one of those people who believe that this is not real. Um, oh, I, I don't either. There's, there's, unfortunately, there's a lot of people who do. Um, but yeah. Uh, so I'm, I know, I mean, when I talked to my cousin who was in the ICU for three weeks, he's still, by the way, he's been out for three and a half weeks and he's still suffering from pneumonia. Um, he uh, he told me just how overworked the nurses were, uh, and that was before the mandate came down. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I don't understand how they can think that this was a great idea. Yeah, and so so tell me, Glenn, how does it feel to go from hero to zero in just a matter of a couple of months? It it. I'd like to sit there and say you know it bothers me or something like that, but I'm like. You know what? I'm. I get it. I'm not really all that bent out of shape. Um, they have their their mandate, their agenda. 
if that's the way they want to do it, well, fine, that they can do it. That is their prerogative. I just refuse to let people um, be pawns in their game without me stepping in to try and correct the situation as I see fit. Yeah, I mean, it's just you you went from, you know, working a year and a half in this pandemic, being unvaccinated, being exposed to the virus. Yeah. And the government encouraged people to stand out on their porches at night and bang pots and pans at seven o'clock to to salute the healthcare workers and just less than you know two years after this started they're they're using those who decided not to disclose or not to get vaccinated as a scapegoat yeah and that's unfortunate i mean that's that's it's worse than unfortunate it's disgusting in my book um well if there's just such a deadly pandemic uh, that that you can afford to remove nurses who are willing able and want to work yeah yeah i mean it doesn't make any sense to me at all um now you you and your colleagues decided to um to do something for uh the community on your own and 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 i and we got off topic there a few minutes ago so why don't you tell us about that um so It all started when I was talking to Svetlana from Grand Forks. Uh, She kind of had the the concept, and she said, sent me a picture and said, so what do you think of this? And on it, it said, Ezra is Hebrew for helper. And at that moment, I, I felt inside my soul and inside my heart that this was something I could fully get behind, that this would be a wonderful thing for everybody. And we started talking, and it took about three weeks for us to kind of bashing the ideas back and forth and coming up with it, that we came up with this concept that we have our, our head, our hands, our heart. We have our education. We have our skills. They can't take that away from us. They can remove our ability to call ourselves nurses. They can remove our ability to be part of their program, their system but they can't remove what makes us who we are. What our calling has led us to the education and the skills. So we looked at it and we went, okay, what if we just changed our name? Okay, they they don't want us, but let's go literally take our ball and go play in our own yard. Uh, And that's where we came up with this idea of uh, Ezra Wellness uh, Centers or clinics, or we haven't quite figured out all the verbiage yet because this is still a project in growth. But we looked at it and said, well, you know what? We have these skills. They can't take that away from us. Let's use them for the betterment of everybody. That's great. And so what's the concept behind these clinics? Because I know, I know we have, you know, we have the Canadian health act, which I mean, there are some loopholes, but for the most part, it's it's very very difficult to operate a private clinic uh, yes. that, that delivers healthcare. So, how, what's what's the concept? What is the um, model that you're following? So we're kind of thinking about two different things. One part of it is is that um, we're twenty four seven on call, come to you and check on you if you have a con- uh, concern. So the situation right now, like especially in Kamloops here, is there's no walk-in clinics. There's just the one urgent care, which you have to make an appointment. Basically, if you don't get in to touch or talk to them within the first five minutes of their opening the doors, you can't get an appointment for the rest of the day. Yeah. Or the other alternative is if you do have a doctor, you're waiting three weeks for a telephone call. Yeah. And then you can only talk about one subject, and if it, the doctor actually has to see you, then you have to make another appointment a couple of days later to actually go see him in person. Yeah. Or you can go to the merge and wait up to 14, 16 hours at a time to get to see one of the overworked and uh, frazzled doctors up there. So it's like, okay, so what if we could offer you a call, like you call at 2.30 in the morning, 
we're there by three o'clock and we're giving you a quick uh, wellness check to make sure that you're doing okay. Uh, that like, you know, you're, um, that it isn't anything serious. And if it is serious and we deem it that you need more advanced care, we send you to the hospital or we talk to either with the person themselves and we come up with a plan on how to address the issue so that they may not have to go to the doctor or to the hospital and we can deal with it and get them on the road to recovery and back to healing and wellness long before any other system would have, the their system would have caught up to them. Well, that and sounds, that sounds other, yeah, that sounds great. I mean, it, it that that's, uh, that's actually really smart. Um, yeah. And now, it's the old uh, family doctor house call visit. Yeah. And so how does this work with the Canadian Health Act? Is this something that you're, you foresee being an issue or is this something that, that you, well, there's a part of that loophole? I think there's a loophole there for the fact that we're using the same tools you can get at Walmart. Right. It's not like we're using any special equipment or anything that is deemed truly healthcare. It's like I can pick up a blood pressure, pulse ox, and a thermometer at home, and that's the same tools that they would use in the hospital to assess you. Right. Except I'm doing it as a wellness check, and I'm using my my skill and my knowledge to interpret what is going on. And with the person's input, we come up with a plan. Right. And it's it's only a suggestion. They don't have to follow through with us. And the other one is, is you know what? Uh, if you don't want the service and you're worried about paying it, don't call. Mm-hmm. We're just looking to help those people who maybe want, have that concern and want the answer now instead of waiting. Right. And and how does this? Um... Well, let me put it bluntly. How do you make any money at this? Well, right now it's by donations. Right. Uh, part of that is is we're seeing what the local economy can stand. Yeah. Because obviously, like, if there's an Ezra in West Vancouver, it's going to be much more affluent than, say, what we would have here or, say, in Enderby, as an example. Say there's three Ezra's in those locations. Right. So charging what we'll charge in... West Van would definitely not help us here in mm-hmm. Kamloops and would destroy Enderby. Right. So we're just figuring out what the economy can afford for the basic service call, and then we'll go from there. And then the idea is to hopefully charge enough that we're not going to price ourselves out of business. Yeah. Uh, not undercharge ourselves so that we have a ton of work, but we don't have enough money to even keep the lights on. Yeah. Uh, but enough that we can also... If the homeless guy's walking by and he's got cut his hand on a broken bottle, that he can come in and we can dress that wound so it's not going to get infected and he's not going to have further medical complications down the road. Speaking of keeping the lights on, I I've heard that there's been an issue with the uh, with the space <laughs> there, that you guys leased. There's a little bump in the road, which is expected. Yeah. Um, I thought we'd be a little further down the road when before we hit our first major one. Yeah. Um, it happened. Um, it's not going to stop us. This idea has so much support, um, and there's been so many things that have kind of helped guide this along that this is not going to stop with just a little bump. Yeah. We're in the process right now of finding ourselves a new location. Uh, we looked at a couple so far this week. Uh, the last one we looked at, I think, is very promising. Yeah. Um, and I foresee that, you know what, soon enough we'll be back in business. The sun will be on the over the door, and we'll be ready to rock and roll. Excellent. No, that's that's great. I, I, I'm, I thought when I first heard about what you guys were doing with Ezra, um, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was a great idea. Well, thank and, you. And after, after hearing you describe the services and everything, I, 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 I have, a, I have even more respect for what you guys are doing. Um, I think it's wonderful. Now, so, I, and I'm sure, like, this is something I'm, I'm curious about myself is, is uh, and I mean, you don't have to share if you don't want to, but, but what, why is it that you would rather lose your nursing job than to disclose or to get the vaccination? 
because for me, um, this goes against basic nursing ethics, like things that I was taught in school and part of what I believe very firmly inside myself. Um, before I started going to nursing school, um, a friend shared with me the Florence Nightingale Pledge when we were just talking about nursing. And it struck a chord, it, like it, it hammered on that chord inside me. Mm-hmm. And it, it talks about treating the patient fairly, keeping all confidence. And it uses the old language, which I, I love the old style of saying things. So went to class, and you know what? I, I listened to it, and there's six nursing ethics, and four of them are trod all over by these mandates. And I refuse to call it a vaccine because it's not a vaccine. It's a, at best a treatment mm-hmm. because we know even if you get it, even probably you get your third dose that they're talking about, you're still going to be able to catch it. You're still going to be able to carry it, and you're still going to be able to transmit it. Mm-hmm. That's not what a vaccine does. So medical, or sorry, informed consent. How can I get informed consent from you, say you're my patient and I'm the one sticking the needle in you, if I can't tell you what's going to happen to you in a year of taking that shot? Mm-hmm. And how do I know I can't tell you that? Because the shot hasn't actually been in use over a year. Let alone two, five, your lifetime. What will this do you in a lifetime? So how do I truly get informed consent from you, whether I tell you it's good or bad, if I can't tell you what happens in a year. Then if we turn around and the medical autonomy, you have the right to refuse or accept any medication, treatment, or procedure. You could need a heart transplant and say no. If you're Jehovah Witness, you could bleed out nine pints of blood and say no, and we would have to let you die. Oh. A cancer patient can ask to be helped to die. So we recognize that even, and I know this is a touchy subject, but even in abortion, it's the person's right to choose. Mm-hmm. Now, the analogy I like personally is that if you stick a needle of heroin in your arm, that's okay for you. That is your choice, right? If I force that needle of heroin into your arm, I can be arrested for assault. Even if you ask me, because it's a harmful substance. Now, this third rule is uh, do no harm. Now, if we go back to that analogy of uh, sticking that needle in your arm and I push the plunger on that heroin and you die, they can charge me with murder. And rightly so. Now, with this vaccine or this injection, if it does do harm to you, and I, I'm not even going to say like what everybody else goes, I'm just saying if it harms you, that opens me up for liability. Mm-hmm. And especially if I can't, like we've heard that before, that not knowing is not a defense. Following orders is not a defense. So I would never inject, and I never gave any medication against somebody's will or that I knew would harm them. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is justice. And under that one, it's everybody's treated equally. Now, I get their logic. I disagree with it because they're following the letter of the law. And I tend to believe there's more of the spirit in the ethic. So justice is treat everyone equally. So often their side says, well, I took the shot. That means you must take the shot. And I'm like, no, that means that I should be able to treat the patient in front of me, doesn't matter who that patient is, identical to every other patient. Give them the best of my care, best of my attention, best of my compassion, and the best of my skill to heal them. So the one analogy I read that I really enjoyed was this one nurse, emergency room nurse, who had to treat the child who was hurt in the in a drunk driving accident, the mother in the drunk driving accident, and the drunk driver herself. So she had to forget that the fact that the mom pulled the child out of the car seat and put her in her lap because she wanted, the child was fussing a bit, and she wanted to try and soothe her while they were driving, and then the drunk driver who hit them, and she had to treat all three of them equally. Show no discrimination, show no preference or anything else other than deal with them on the basis that they were her patient and treat them all equally. That is a spirit of 
justice. They want to follow the letter of the justice. Right. Well, that was uh, a much more in-depth answer than I was expecting. <laughs> and, and But very, very good. I mean, honestly, I... I I, I've, I, myself, I'm kind of, I, I, I'll disclose, and I have on this podcast before that I have received two shots of the Pfizer vaccine. Um, I, and I, I've all, I've been wondering if there is something about the vaccine that these healthcare professionals are seeing in the hospitals that is making them not want to take it um, because I something isn't quite registering with me uh, with with people who would rather lose their jobs than take the vaccine I, to me it, it comes down to just your personal choice right um, I, I know that Personally, for me, like uh, as much as everybody and every doctor, when I go in and I complain about having a sore shoulder or an injury, they like to put me on uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Mm-hmm. They don't work for me. Right. They they don't take the pain off. They don't help with the inflammation. It seems, and all I do is I end up killing my gut. Right. Yet, my wife, totally fine with having them. And they help her immensely. Like if she gets in a lot of pain, they seem to take like they do it for her. I take two Tylenol, and I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah. So we have aspirin, we have Tylenol, and we have ibuprofen for pain relievers. Why do they have all three? Because not everybody's the same. Right. This injection that they're pushing is everybody's the same. Mm-hmm. Now, I would never ask any person their vaccine status because a that's their private medical information unless i was in a position where i needed to know that to help them with an issue yeah so the point i look at is say you come in and you complain about a sore right knee Mm -hmm. and we uh while i'm doing my investigation i'm checking seeing that you have full function all that you tell me you were out uh hiking hunting and you stepped on a rock that rolled and you twisted your knee Okay, I find out everything's fine. There's nothing really wrong or out of shape or anything. I tell you to rest, ice, compress, compression, and elevation. Stay off it for a couple of days, and you'll be right as rain. Mm-hmm. Now, if you come to me with the same pain behind your right knee, and you tell me that you had the shot on Monday, and you haven't been really up and moving since then because your leg has been killing you, well, I'm going to tell you to go to the hospital, get yourself a ultrasound and possibly a Doppler exam to make sure that you don't have a blood clot forming behind your knee. Right. Because on one, you t- if I if we just do that conservative approach of rice and uh, staying off of it, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. If I do that same approach with that second one, with the blood clot, you could lose your leg. Yeah. So for me, knowing at that point your status is important. Right. But that's the only reason anybody should know your status on any personal medical information. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and when you're saying that not everyone is the same, I mean that's that's uh, uh, couldn't be more true when it comes to this um, vaccine, and not not just the vaccine, but the disease itself, um, because different age groups react much differently to it, um, and mm-hmm. teenagers and children are virtually bulletproofed to COVID in the first place. Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, this is where my wife and I really struggled with whether to get our own kids vaccinated, they're teenagers, and um, because we had no idea what the effect was going to be on on our kids, and, they, and nobody could tell us. Every, everybody's yeah. answer was, it's safe. Well, how do you know it's safe? Well, because Health Canada says so. Well, how do they know it's safe? Because they haven't done any trials on it. They're taking Pfizer's exactly. word. For, they're taking Pfizer's and Moderna's word for it. You know, the hardest part about all of this is that in all cases, um, 
the vaccine or the the injections mm-hmm. are actually still in trial. The Canadian federal government admits it on their own webpage. Yeah. So how can you say safe and effective if you're still experimenting with it? Yeah. Well, and, and there's a and there's a uh, a real push to discredit uh, things such as natural immunity from having had the mm-hmm. virus, which, as we're finding out from Israel, um, yep. and their studies that you the natural immunity is about six to thirteen times more effective against a new infection than being uh, double vaxxed with Pfizer or Moderna or AstraZeneca. And uh, you know what? It's been that way the whole time with all natural immunity. Yeah. And we're finding, but, but what I don't understand is why do we have, um, maybe not so much healthcare professionals, but we have, well, I guess they are healthcare professionals when we, they're just not practicing. We have our, you know, our, um, uh, chief medical officers downplaying natural immunity when it's a scientific fact. And I mean, it, it's, it's been that ca- that way with viruses forever. I mean, that's, that's why you don't, you don't get the same strain of the cold two years and or two twice in one year. You don't, you don't get the same strain of the flu, you know, it's, mm-hmm. um, and yet they're downplaying this as if it's not a real thing. And, yes. and I mean, the, we know from SARS, um, SARS, which is uh, from 2004, I believe. Three, 2003, Three. 2004. Yeah, 2003, 2004, that people who had SARS and survived still to this day have immunity to it. Yep. They, they've done anti uh, antigen tests on them and they still have the antibodies. But this one, their vaccine, six months away, they're going, well, you're no longer immune. You need to blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and, and what we're finding out as well from, from other countries, because it seems that in Canada and the United States, they don't release this kind of information for some reason. But we're finding out from other countries that, that uh, with every round of vaccine shots that, that they're getting, the, the chances of myocarditis, the chances of a stroke... Uh, the chances of, of blood clots all increase and dramatically with every round. Yes. So, yeah. and I know three people myself, my age, within two weeks of having the second shot, all had strokes. And oh, so it's even worse than that. They have a 25% increase in uh, cardiac issues in the last year. What has changed in the last year? I wonder. That's interesting. Yeah, and, and it seems like Canada doesn't share this kind of information publicly, and no, it's you don't get this kind of information from the government, and and I and I mean there's and there's like a new drug um, that's been applied for approvals. I think the UK has just approved it, and it's from Merck, and it's it's a new um, antiviral drug that's supposed to. Uh, uh, be used to treat COVID and they're having really good results with it. Um, and it's down at the molecular level is very, very similar to another drug that Merck um, makes and called ivermectin. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And which, it's like that, what, you're going, huh? Yeah. Which is what horse dewormer apparently, you know? Um, oh, well, that's one of its uses. Yeah. It is an anti-parasitic. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's uh, one of the WHO's, essential um medicines yep. right it's, and the inventors were given the nobel prize for it yeah in 2015 yeah 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 it's it's one of the um most important medications in the history of 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 medicine yep. uh, it's cured all kinds of of diseases that are very common in the third world And, um, but now Merck can charge $700 a, uh, a pill. a pill as opposed to a dollar for ivermectin. So, um, and I mean, we got a little off topic. Um, yeah. we, uh, <laughs> that's but, the problem with this one is it just, 
wanders around all over the place. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, that's what that's what we really like about our show is that we we are able to just we don't have commercials, we don't have sponsors, we, we just we just talk, and where the conversation <laughs> goes, it goes, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, getting back to um, getting back to Ezra Wellness, your so is this is this like a would there be a, like a drop-in clinic and and the uh, the house calls or is it is it primarily um, yeah. house calls? Eventually, we'd like to get that set up so that we could do uh, possibly coordinate with some other modalities in okay. the clinic to so say we rent a space to a massage therapist or we have a couple of tables in case somebody wants to use uh, energy medicine or uh, you know what we have a little room where you can talk to the nutritionist or herbalist or and have a one-on-one conference with the next step in your trip to wellness and to health uh, to actually have those conversations where say you come in and I'm taking a look at your wound on your shin and I notice that your skin is dusky below around your ankles and your feet and your toenails look like uh, just gnarly that, um, you know what, I, I turn to you and I say, hey, do you mind if I check your blood glucose? We find out you're at 22 instead of between 4 and 7. Well, we can have that discussion now. Okay, like, you know what, you need to get this checked out, but can we help you me- start making some better choices so that you can get this under control faster? Yeah. And there we go. Like, here we go. You may not have known it. You just kind of may have just brushed it off. Yeah. And not even thought about it. And yet here we are because we're looking at one thing, but we're spending that time with you and we're having that conversation. We're talking about how you're feeling, any other problems. We're not going, you only have one, 15 minutes to make one comment about one condition. Mm-hmm. It's like we could sit there for an hour with you and discuss whatever it is that you come. If you come in and you have four different concerns, we'll address them all. Or if we, you get that call and you call us out. So like, yeah, we'll address your concerns because that's all part of the whole picture. That's a whole of you. Yeah. It's not just looking at that one little thing and going, okay, well, that's it. We're done. Time's up. Yeah, no, that that's, that's fantastic. And I mean, it's that you guys, I think have stumbled on something that is, is really needed in, um, when, when we're dealing with a single pair healthcare system, um, because we're, I mean, like you said before, I mean, there's staff shortages everywhere. There's, um, there's, there's communities in this province that don't even have a doctor. There's, um, we have, I mean, I know that in my town here, the, uh, walking clinic closed just recently. We don't even have a walking clinic now. Um, and the walking clinics, like you said, uh, before, when you were describing what's happening in Kamloops, the walking clinics in, um, in Penticton are, uh, are if you don't get there and get in line an hour before they open, uh, you're not seeing anybody. And that's like, sorry, try again tomorrow. Yeah. And then when you, like you said, with, with surgeries, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, you can be waiting up to 18 months for, for, for a surgery in this, or, or even, uh, an MRI for certain things in this province. And, um, and now those, all that is being pushed back even further and, and all because they decided that you and your colleagues are more dangerous than you are helpful. And that's, yeah. and that's, and that's a shame. And, and this, uh, this government and the people that support the move should be completely ashamed of themselves. Oh, I was listening the other day. Uh, to the Mike Smith show in the morning. Yeah. And the question was, is, uh, should, do you care if your mom or dad, your parent is in the hospital, your loved one is in the hospital and they're having a cardiac arrest that if the nurse who goes in to rescue them and to help them is vaccinated or not. And the amount of vile, anger directed at oh if they're, they're they shouldn't be in the hospital they're unvaxxed i'm thinking if your mom's dying that's what you care about is whether the nurse who's performing cpr on them 
is vaccinated? Like, how twisted is that? They're dying with, if, if that nurse isn't there, they'll die anyways. So your big concern is that they're vaccinated? I just It just blew me away at the level of insanity that is. Oh, it is. <laughs> You're telling me this story and I'm just... I'm just sitting here with my mouth open. I, I don't even know what to say to something like that. There's nothing. If, if you're compassionate and you're kind and you love your fellow man, there's nothing you can. How, how do you address that? that? That's like looking at somebody from Jupiter. Yeah. You're not going to have any correlation. I, I, I just I heard that and I was dumbfounded. Oh, well, for the last year and a half, no, like those people were working in the hospital, working on people's loved ones and they weren't vaccinated and they were not sources of outbreaks. No. And, and, and I would imagine that, that a good chunk of those, of those healthcare workers were, uh, were probably exposed to the virus at some point had, Mm -hmm. have, have probably tested positive at some point and, and have the natural antibodies and don't need to be vaccinated. Exactly. And, and we and we do know from data from other countries that people who have had uh, COVID and get vaccinated afterwards have higher probabilities of adverse uh, reactions. Yeah. So uh, they they saw that with um, I believe it was a dengue fever yeah. uh, vaccine that they're pushing in Africa. Yeah. It's. No, I, I it just boggles my mind. I uh, I am very I'm very disappointed in our government. I'm very disappointed in the people that support the move by our government. And I um, I want you and your colleagues. How many how many of your colleagues are, are working with you on this? So I have three well there, there's a three of us right now because we're just starting it all off. Yeah. And uh, we're working on all the little policies and procedures so that we have everything right and avoid any hassles or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a work in progress. Like a lot of this, we're, we're making it up as we go because there is no model to fall back on. Right. And do you, do you, do you foresee, uh, other, other, uh, other nurses and possibly trained doctors that might join you? I definitely hope so. Yeah, because it is something that is that, that desperately needed, and yeah, it um, definitely is. I, I just the possibility is there. It's and the big one I keep coming back to is you know what? Why are we so like just because we decided to look after ourselves? That that's what makes us evil in their eyes. Yeah. Uh, just like okay so you don't want me looking after your mom because you think i'm going to harm her Mm -hmm. what would make you assume that i would harm your mom anyways yeah like i I didn't become a nurse to harm people i didn't sit there because i have some evil intent that i'm going to do whatever nefarious thing you fear i'm going to do so what is it about the fact that i choose to look after myself, follow decent health practices, and but that makes me evil. I, I just don't get it. Or the fact that you don't want me looking after your mom when literally I'm putting her life above mine. Mm-hmm. Well, I, it's I don't believe that there would be this kind of vitriol and um hate if it weren't for our different levels of government fanning the flames i would agree with that yeah i mean they're they are pitting the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated and it's yeah and it's dangerous it i mean it, they've been doing You've, I mean, we've seen this in, with with governments forever. Uh, mm-hmm. They they pit the the rich versus the poor, 
they they pit the yes. east the east versus the west the you know they, they the races the, the, whatever the, yeah. the urban knights versus the um the country uh living people right i mean they, yeah. they've they've always found a way to pit you know gun owners against non-gun owners and and <laughs> and everything along those lines and and they're doing it now with the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated and it's it's turning really ugly and um and i i just want to tell you and your colleagues that uh us at canadian common sense and i'm sure most of our listeners all (laughs) all uh see you guys as um essential no matter your vaccination status and and that we support what you're doing i support what you're doing and i would love to see an ezra wellness over in the okanagan when uh when you guys get to that point where you can expand uh i i i don't think you guys are going to have a hard time finding a clientele um (laughs) well i will give you this little bit of good news they're popping up everywhere are they Oh yeah, there's uh, one starting off in Vernon. There's one down in Kelowna. There's one in Salmon Arm. Um, Grand Forks is always up, is already up and running. Um, I've been talking to Seashell, Gibson, Vancouver Island, everywhere. It's it's an idea that is catching on, and I don't think anybody realizes yet how big this is. This is yeah, and what's coming, and I think. The government is going to literally realize that, you know what, the way they used to do things, it's over and done. Yeah. And they, well, here's the thing, like, okay, so they've already kicked us out of the hospital. Yeah. And we've already heard some of the issues. We know that the jab doesn't help because here in Kamloops, there was a concert at the bar, and I believe it is 27 or 28 people have tested positive for COVID out of this and we know that there's no unvaxxed were present because if that was that would be uh leading every headline mm-hmm. that has come out since we know that there's an outbreak at the hospital again with three nurses and oddly enough guess what all nurses there now are fully jabbed and they're the patients okay we don't know the, yet the mix of patients but again, I'm going to go on the fact that if there was an unjabbed patient on that particular ward, that would be front and center news. Mm-hmm. And again, nothing. Yeah. The old folks home, there's two breakouts going on in Kamloops in long-term care facilities. Yeah. And they've been underneath the mandate since, what is it, um, I believe it was October 13th. Yeah. So we're, what, two, well beyond two weeks of that. Yeah. And yet they still have these outbreaks popping up all over the place. But all we hear is, oh, it's the unvaxxed that are filling the hospital. Yeah. I also find it interesting that the that the scientist that created the mRNA vaccine technology has been completely demonized and um, criticized by everyone for saying that the mRNA technology is not it's not meant for what they're using it for and how they're using it. And, uh, for mass vaccinations like this, he said it was, Uh it was designed to be used for, uh, customizing, uh, vaccines per person, not to be used as a mass vaccination program. And so I, I find it very interesting that it seems that he was right. (laughs) Um, because and and it's not really a vaccine it's more of a gene therapy at best Um, Mm -hmm. and it's i was about to mention that yeah and it's i mean if you can still catch it you can still pass it on that's not really a vaccine in my mind no at least not an effective one no no and especially one that, that loses I think it loses 40% of its uh, effectiveness within six months. And then I think there's been some studies showing that it'll lose 
uh, like 30 or 40% a month after that. And so within a year, you're pretty much back to square one. Except you're now, your immune system is then targeting or set up to only target one specific uh, strain viral thing or strain or not not even one particular part of one of the proteins that are on the surface of it yeah because it it doesn't actually target the virus it targets the protein right just the protein so then the body will recognize it and attack that under their premise yeah and i will caveat that comment right there on the fact that i'm just repeating what they have said Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Well, Glenn, uh, I want to thank you for for joining us and uh, telling us all about uh, the new Ezra Wellness venture, and that I I really hope that everybody's looking forward to seeing these clinics pop up in their communities because uh, I know that over here we could we would we could desperately do with one, uh, and. Um, and I want to commend you. Um, I mean, you you saw a need and you're filling it. And um, unfortunately, it 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 had to happen because of something of 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 something wrong being done to you. Uh, but but congratulations, and I I really really wish you the best of uh, I wouldn't say luck, but. Uh, well, I guess I will. The best of luck, and uh, and I hope you guys find a new a new location there in Kamloops and and get things going again. Oh, I'm absolutely positive we will find ourselves a new location. Yeah. Well, thank you that very is much. Too big of a thing to uh, to have die off like that. And thank you for having me. Yeah. Really appreciate this and having that honest conversation. Yeah. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Okay. You too. Bye. 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 and Tony.